Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Straight Talk Radio, where we discuss business, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Donya Keating, live from the Seattle area at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on August 7th. Listeners, if you're up for some on-air participation, just dial 646-378-0261 or send us questions and comments on the chat feature. Now, today's show format is going to be slightly different in that we're featuring a topic, and that topic is that patients speak out and seniors matter, too. So we'll have some call-ins versus focusing on a particular guest, and uh, we'll talk about some senior health care challenges and strategies for better equipping patients to advocate for quality health care. Our first caller out there is Andy, and we're going to check and make sure that she's on the line, and we'll go from there. Andy, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Danya. Thank you for being being uh, here with you this afternoon. Well, we're glad to have you. So, you know, you had a recent series of experiences regarding your health care, and we're just going to jump right in and have you share some of that with us. Certainly. Um, my journey has been kind of rather enlightening. At the age of 75, I was diagnosed with severe aortic valve stenosis, which is a calcification of the heart valve, and I was given a two-year window for survival without surgery. So it was ultimately scheduled for December of 2013. The cardiac surgeon and the pulmonologist attitudes I'd been referred to caused a really red warning light to go off in my head due to the way I spoke to. And if, as if I were not important in my decision-making process, they wanted me to react robotically to all their suggestions. Uh, they're not interested in my concerns or questions, and I was made to feel like a non-person. After a series of missteps on their part, like having reactions to medicines prescribed and then they're telling me to keep taking the medicine, I really became angry. So my cardiology referred me, my cardiologist referred me to UW cardiology department and became enrolled in their TAVAR research program. So after um, University of Washington gave me an initial and extended echogram, they told me I was not a candidate because I was diagnosed as mild to moderate aortic stenosis. Hmm. And since I was asymptomatic, surgery wasn't warranted at the time. So the UW echo red numbers registered 50% less than that shown from the prior echoes I had received. Well, I was happy. You know, I didn't have to go under, undergo surgery, but I was perplexed. I really became angry and frustrated as my cardiologist never called me to discuss these important developments. I became totally invisible, someone that didn't matter. I did not know quite where to put my anger for sometimes until they sent me the bill, and then I pushed back. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) That made me angry. (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine. So so I wrote a three-page letter. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I'm listening. I think we're all listening. Okay. Okay. I wrote a three-page letter. Uh, with enclosures to the clinic and received an apology letter or a callback from my cardiologist and from the advocate's office in response. But everything is pending. I've heard nothing since then. So I discussed hmm. the situation with you, and you suggested maybe I should go 
worldwide with this. And I'm sure there's other people that feel the same way I do. And there are. And and the moment we started putting this show out, we started getting messages and and people signing up and saying that they wanted to listen. And some may not call in and they may not um, offer comments, but there are some people out there that are experiencing what you have. So let me back up for a second here. I think I heard you say that they treated you like you were a non-person and they gave you medicine and you told them you were having bad reactions and they told you to just keep taking it? Correct. That's what they said. They dismissed me. They didn't take... I, I called them on the phone and told them that I was having a bad reaction and I couldn't catch my breath and they said, oh, just keep taking the medicine. I guess, I, you know, that's something that... One of the things that we all think of, especially in the 21st century, when you have access to, you know, the Internet, and, of course, the, the caveat there is that everything mm-hmm. you read isn't necessarily true, but... Even before the Internet, we had the opportunity to educate ourselves and to have a consultative relationship with our physicians, which is really, if you're a really good physician or a medical professional, that's what you want. Right. Exactly. Yes. So, and and I have to... No, go ahead. Okay. I was saying... uh, I, if, if there was something else I would have done, I would have been, I'd been more aggressive in demanding respect. But uh, as an observation, I think I'm being of the uh, geriatric persuasion. You know, I have a tendency to become introspective and secretive. And these are good qualities, but they can work against you during, you know, kind of when you're trying to solve problems. Uh, so when we go to the doctor, I think it'd be completely honest with him or her. And we really have to be able to tell them everything. And my motto was to try to use humor, ask questions, listen carefully to the answers, develop a relationship. And if I can't or disagree with medical advice, I move on. However, we have to become engaged. You know, we forget that doctors work for us. We pay them for their service and expertise. Somehow this gets kind of lost in our expectations of who doctors are. I, yeah, and, and I wonder sometimes, I mean, they always talk about the populations and they say that obviously the most, um, endangered, not necessarily endangered, but the most vulnerable population, populations are seniors and then our youth and our children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now right. we're talking about the other end of the spectrum today and some of the things that make you feel as if you don't matter anymore. I mean, the, a system that basically assumes that you've got one foot out of the door anyway, and so they exactly. either don't listen to you or they give you things and they don't follow up or they use it as an opportunity, unfortunately, to, to bill you up the wazoo because they figure it's just going to be covered by insurance. Um, well, what are some yes, of the I things and some a, of the ways? Go ahead. No, no, I want to hear from you. This is your show. No, I, I wanted to hear your question. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, that's okay. I was going to say, you know, what were some of the ways that you pushed back to make sure that you received the care that was respectful and responsive to your needs? Oh, well, like I said, I did write the letter, and it was a, a pretty scathing letter. So um, I'm waiting kind of a a response from that. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Um, But I think uh, most important all, and and like you said, we have to be our own advocates. No one knows us better Mm -hmm. than ourselves, okay? So we have to own up to the fact that it's all up to us. You know, if I was treated badly, it was because I allowed that to happen. We cannot allow that to happen to us. So well, that was one of the learning things. Well, that's but part I go of it, to but an I expert. Yeah, I go, I, I go to an expert. I expect him to tell me 
what's going on. And when, when they give us dire information and, and, a, and a prognosis uh, that is, is scary to us, we kind of go into shock. I can imagine. You know, and, you know, yeah. the, the, the question that I would have for you is you're given some information that says that you basically have two years to live if you don't take this right. seriously invasive um, right. procedure seriously and get it done post-haste. And then you go okay. somewhere else, and they tell you that you basically yeah, have very mild it. symptoms and surgery is not necessary. So how, how do they reconcile those two? Is there some kind of collaborative conversation between those two medical organizations to bring back they, some type of information to you? No. What they did was that uh, UW called me and told me that they had conferred with my doctor about the findings. And so I kind of sat around. I was waiting for him to call me, and he never did. I had to mm. call him. And then he was all apologetic, you know, and then just kind of blew me off. And I never did get, I never have gotten a complete answer. So there's still no resolution to your issue as to whether or not, I mean, typically you go out and you have something serious and you get a second opinion, correct? Right. So this is basically your second opinion, which is completely different from the first one. And so obviously at some point someone has to come in, not not necessarily as a third opinion, but as some type of a balancing input and say, this is the real situation with your health. Right. Well, my doctor, my cardiologist did say, come back in December and get another echo. Hmm. Now that's what, how many months away? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, who knows what could happen by December. <laughs> so do you feel like there's some sort of uh, generational thing where there are some people that don't feel it's appropriate to question their physicians? They feel that they're omniscient and that they should just take the advice and then just go away? Well, I do think that as we get older, we, we you know, we, we only fight so much. We've been fighting all our lives, and we just kind of expect, and I think the, the whole allure of, of the medical field is one that we do not understand. We don't understand their language, and, you know, they, they do medical speak. And it's, it's difficult for us to sit down. I'm sure they feel this way. I'm not going to talk to that dumb person. They don't know what they're talking about. So um, what I have done is I've, every time I get a test, I just go to the medical dictionary and all the letter, words I don't understand, I look them up to try and right. educate myself and so I can have some kind of a conversation with them. But I, in, in, this, in this case, they just completely ignored me. Now, you just mentioned that you go online and you look for information. What are some resources or tips right. for others who may be listening who face, you know, who have faced the similar treatment that you described, how they can arm themselves and go back and, and advocate for oh, their own well, health care? Well, definitely I would uh, remember to write down all your questions and concerns before you go to the doctor and make sure they're answered. And then uh, be very wary when a doctor does not want to address your questions or concerns. And I think it's to keep a chronological record of every doctor's visit, every test given, every medication prescribed, and make sure that you get hard copies of all your records from every doctor and every test result, because they're your records. So tell everybody that you want a copy. And uh, this information should be kept in a chronological and subject order. Binders work really great, you know. And then uh, ask for the forms to sign or information where you can get these records 
that's kind of important because later on when you go and try and find them, they said, oh, well, you didn't sign this form, you know. I said, well, send it to me. And then there's another delay of a couple of weeks. So it's important that you ask for it right away. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, there, there are a lot of patient portals that are being offered to uh, patients by organizations and healthcare organizations, and you really have to take a look at that and, and look inside of that and see what type of notes that are being taken and, and look at the results, because sometimes when you go into your meeting, you're getting sort of the broad sketch. You know, the, the physician is saying to you, well, based upon these results that I looked at, I don't think right. there's a problem. And then you might go into your patient portal, and you see the results, and you see that they're above a a certain borderline by a significant degree, and they've just right. decided that all things being equal, there's no problem, which is not necessarily the case. So your advice that someone goes in and keeps track of their own information is very, very prudent information there, very yes, prudent advice. Absolutely, yes. Also, think, I do think, too, um, is to enlist an advocate or a friend or family member to help you, and the second set of eyes and ears are sometimes critical. But then don't let them talk over you and just talk to the person that you're bringing into the meeting with them, with you, which is, I, I, my experience was that one time I brought in my daughter, and they talked completely to her and didn't talk to right, me at all. Right, as if you didn't exist. Right. Exactly, right. yes. So, um, you know, we've got the power, and we might, we've got to learn how to use it. And then don't forget, <laughs> yeah. you know, afraid to get a second or third opinion ask your doctor for recommendations, but do your own research in the field. I mean, it's, I, know they're, I know you're hurting when, when someone, you know, gives you this information and, and you're looking at, wow, like someone says you have cancer. I mean, you're just devastated. And you've got to be able to have someone that can help you walk through that maze. So, so you just brought up that someone said you had cancer? Well, yes, but that was that was I was sent to another doctor at another time, and he just said he said I need a full body. I had cancer, and I needed a full body scan, and that was within after a five minute meeting. Okay, so this goes back to the subject that we're talking about here, which is you know yeah. the sensitivity and taking care of people and, and treating them as if they matter, and walking in and telling someone without having a full diagnostic opportunity to look at their results and just saying to someone that sits in the room, oh well, this is cancer. I mean, that's just not the way that you deal with someone any should patient. be treated. Exactly, exactly. It was horrible. Yeah. Now, is I, there I, anything that you would have done differently? Uh, Based upon your situation, anything at all? Um, well, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would have done differently because, well, that gentleman, um, I think they'd have put me in jail after I smacked him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, so if you're listening, the solution is not to, to yeah, smack not your position. Yeah. Uh, despite <laughs> how tempting that might be. Yes. <laughs> don't hit the dog. <laughs> but... Differently, I don't know what the difference is. You know, we go about our life and we're busy, and it's just one more thing that we have to do, and we go in and we expect to be treated well and be treated like an adult and like we're, we have some sort of intelligence, and then to be directed by them. I mean, just don't tell someone you have cancer, and then you have a full body scan, and then never talk to the man again. And I read the report from the from the radiologist, and uh, he refuted, refuted everything that he said. He said That's very no irresponsible. 
Right. Well, this is what I'm, no, we, what I'm saying. So what are we dealing with out there? Who can we trust? Now, if you've just tuned in, I've seen a lot of people uh, lighting up the lines here. We're actually having sure. a conversation with callers about uh, patients speaking out and that they matter to, especially seniors. So if you're out there and you've got a story and you're on the line, I think this used to work and it might still work. If you press number one on your keypad, it lets us know that you actually want to speak live. Or if you want to just shoot a question to Christine, she's manning our uh, chat feature and we can fold that into the show. So just wanted to let you know that we are out here listening and we see you out there, but let us know if you want to say something. Um, and Andy, I want to get back to you for a second here. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, and talking about the patient portal and keeping track of your information sooner than later, and I've had my own experiences with that, even without being uh, a senior, where, you know, some information that was just kind of thrown in there and, and, and not having your meeting fully recorded with the information that you provided, it's a great opportunity to go back in and and, and correspond with your physician or your uh, medical professionals and remind them of some of the things that you said and some of the issues that you're facing so that it is on the record. Yes, exactly. Um, I I have been thinking about doing that again, and um, I'm still dealing with the anger part of it, so I have to kind of work through that yet. I have to get my business voice on. <laughs> you know... The, in your, in your situation, we've talked about this quite. Yeah, absolutely, and we've yeah. talked about this quite a bit. You know, in prepping for the show, and when you consider the cost of the unnecessary diagnostic testing that you went through, the right. appointments, exactly. the travel expenses, oh. all the time oh, you yeah. wasted. You know, not even counting or coupled mm-hmm. with the mental anguish and how that right. you can feel diminished by a lack of respect. It makes you wonder what does happen or could happen if you don't stand up for your right to be treated like a valued member of society. I mean, what's the worst case scenario? You pushed back. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. I'm just not going to go away. You know, I'm just, it made me so, it's making me so angry. I have to be more aggressive in demanding respect. We all do. We can't let anyone talk to us badly or or throw things at us and expect us to, to walk away and say, okay, I believe them. 100% because you can't. It's, it's, it's demeaning. And if you take it a step further and think about the people that you know, you're advocating for your own care and you've got friends and, and yeah. family members that are going in there, and then there are other, I have family members myself that are going through issues and, you know, something simple where I, I've got a family member I, I love dearly who's been dealing with an issue since March and, and some of the stuff and trying to get him to get well. I mean, you have people that just, healthcare professionals that just take his presence for, for granted. And, you right. know, there are times when I have, you know, his advocate, his daughter goes in and says, you know, have you done this or have you done that? And the answer she gets back is certainly less than satisfactory and she's not tolerating it. But it makes exactly. you wonder, you know, if she wasn't around and if, and if he was just someone dealing with this on his own, it, who knows what would have happened to him. Exactly, yes. Because if you're hurting and you're in pain, how can you deal with this? I mean, this is, this is a terrible situation to put people in. And we need more advocacy. We really and truly do. We need someone that can, like for these patients that have these dire uh, diagnoses, that they can have someone from the off, their offices to say, here's all the information that we have. This is what we have for you. These are places that you could go to. 
I mean, I think it's their business to, to make sure that we're conformed. They just kind of throw us out the door and say, oh, you're on your own. Did you have anyone contact you um, that is an advocate? Because I'm sure most of these hospitals and, and clinics, and they have some t- sort of person on staff, I would imagine. But they Oh, I received, after I wrote this letter, I received a, a call from the advocacy's office. But I, I almost had, had the feeling that they were for, they were not for me. They, they, they weren't advocating for me. I, th- I think they're so just So what was like the purpose a, of that call then? Uh, just to find out how, I, how my reaction was. They wanted to know more about it. They were interested in how I felt. And I think you were pretty clear about that. I don't, I don't yeah. know what a call would do. I mean, if you're going to make a call to someone, you should be trying to resolve yeah. their situation. Don't call them to force them to repeat something they were, they're already eloquently described in correspondence. Exactly. And, and the fact, if, if I stop and think about it, in December of 2013, I could have had open-heart surgery and still be recovering from it. And it would have been unnecessary. Or not. Yeah, or not. Right. Right. You just don't know. I mean, so if you had a magic wand, I mean, and you mm-hmm. wrote these letters, obviously you had some, you know, a, a mm-hmm. idea in mind as to what you would have expected back from um, your physicians and the people that care for you. What what would you have wanted them to do? Well, actually, um, I would like them to not treat other patients like they treated me. Definitely, mm-hmm. that they have some kind of a a advocacy group that would be able to help people if they have a problem with this that they could go to, and that person is, is not available to us. We don't even know there. I didn't even know there was an advocacy group. So um, it, I, I don't quite understand. It seems like the medical field is a closed door. It's, it's, you know, you come in through the front door and then you go out through the back door, and we really don't care if you come back. Hmm. That's just the kind Very of interesting attitude thing. I have. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, it's one of those it's, things where, um, frankly, I mean, if it was me, I if I sent a letter like that, I would, A, expect an apology, you know, just like you got mm-hmm. one of them. I would expect an apology mm-hmm. from everyone I had written. Um, exactly. I'd also expect to have some type of a financial adjustment for having all of these unnecessary tests and, and whatever type right. of prescriptions that were given to me that I could no longer take. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that I would expect is I would expect my doctor, whether it's my primary care physician or someone that initially gave me that test, to come back and say to me, we will give you another test or we will at least do something so that we give you a sense of comfort regarding where you really are regarding yes, your heart. that would be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. And I kind of left this open trying to find out what they would uh eventually tell me what they what they're going to do for me. I suppose I have I I have recourse other recourses, but but I'm saying it's it's as if they have ignored me as well now. Yeah, that's so kind I, of a, a insult to injury. Yes, right. Yeah, so right. you um <clears throat> we had a talk about something and you found in some of your research a quote and it was yes. by um, an author oh, and yes. economist it's, named Asim Taleb. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's something that you um, sent in your letter for people to consider about how patients can be affected by the type of treatment right. that you're describing. So I'm going to leave you to repeat your quote and quote? then describe okay. one of the 
Yeah, tell us the quote that you found out there. It was very interesting. He's written a wonderful new book. It's called Anti-Fragile, Things That Gain from Disorder. So I recommend that Mm -hmm. reading to anyone that wishes to follow through a little bit more about his writing. Under uh, opacity and in the newfound complexity of the world, people can hide risks and hurt others with the law incapable of catching them. Itrogenic has both delayed and invisible consequences. It is hard to see causal links to fully understand what's going on. And And so itrogenics is? Resulting from the activity of physicians, said of any adverse condition in a patient resulting from treatment by a physician or surgeon. And that comes directly from Dorland's Medical Dictionary for Health Consumers. And it was copyrighted in 2007. Dorland is D-O-R-L-A-N-D, Medical Dictionary, which I think we should all have. So basically, iatrogenics is its a symptom or an illness that's brought on unintentionally yes. or otherwise by um, something right. that a doctor says or does, and it yeah. leads to an iatrogenic disorder, or if they don't do something. I mean, it's just basically, you know, this is a, right. a systematic um, accumulation of of symptoms yeah, any adverse that are brought condition. on by exactly right mm-hmm. yeah so when you talk right. about you know remedies and recourses and, and and impacts of being mistreated or ignored in a system and i would imagine this can happen to anyone not just seniors but absolutely, you know, it, yes. it, it, it causes it can cause or lead to a disorder absolutely yes direct uh, causal effect yes i, I and think that that's uh it's uh, a little unnerving, isn't it? Uh, did you announce, and you put this in your correspondence? I'm assuming. Yes, I did. I, I quoted it in my letter. Which I mean, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but when I, st- I, I when I see things that have legal language in them that have implications mm-hmm. regarding how someone can be impacted or affected by your treatment or, or mistreatment, or, then I would have thought of, that you yeah. would have heard from, exactly, I would have thought you would have yeah. heard from everyone. It would have been kind of nice, wouldn't it? Yes. Again, being ignored. <laughs> so what are you going to do from here? I mean, you, you've actually been a, a great advocate for your own care. It's not like you, you know, sat there and laid down and took it. You actually have been in there, even after you had your initial shocks. So where do you go from here? Well, I, I've been kind of waiting. I thought I'd give it two weeks. Uh, let's see. My letter went out on July 28th and see what they do. And then I'm going to recontact them and find out what are you going to do about it. I'll ask That's them. Fair I'm going to stand my ground. And, and so should all of you if you're listening out there. Yeah, why they haven't, why they haven't responded. And we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah, well, we wish you luck, absolutely. And uh, it's been great having you, you on the show. Oh, and, thank you for uh, having me. I appreciate it. it. And I certainly oh, hope help someone else. Exactly, and that's kind of the point. And if anybody has any questions or if there's any follow-up that's needed, um, just contact us at Straight Talk Radio, and we will put you in touch with whatever resources that are out there. We'll pull some together and maybe follow up um, on the website and put some information out there, um, and then that just go from wonderful. there. So, yeah, also yeah for that's, that's great. They should know this as well. And there's many Absolutely. caretakers out there that are they're taking care of, of uh, family members and friends. They need this. They need to have this, too. 
We need to stand together. Absolutely. Yes. I, I guess that's my cue. Okay, uh, thanks to Andy and all of you for tuning in today. And uh, you can find this broadcast as a podcast at the site you're using right now or on Facebook at STR, the number 8, Talk Radio. This is your host, Donya Keating, signing off at 3.30 p.m. Pacific Time on Thursday, August 7th. We'll see you next week, same time, same station. And if you're local, I hear there's a free Vicki Martinez concert tonight at Clearwater Casino Resort. So get out there and soak up some fun and music if you can. Thanks for joining us at Straight Talk Radio.